Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Pushkin. Hi, Emily. Hi, Hi there. Emily. My name is Hi, Emily. Emily. My name and I am calling in because... I have a question for you. I have been struggling with an inability to orgasm with anyone else around. This is one of the most common orgasm difficulties that people experience. And it's Highly treatable. I'm Emily Nagoski, and this is the Come As You Are podcast, where I answer questions about sex with science. In this episode, I'm going to be answering two listener questions about orgasm. I get so many questions about orgasm, but these two are specifically about surrendering to sensation, letting go. And I mean that in two ways. I do mean it in terms of letting go of judgment, letting go of worrying about your body or worrying about your orgasm while you're trying to have an orgasm. But I also mean it in terms of surrendering to sensation, turning toward the physiological process of orgasm in your body and just noticing it, allowing it to happen, paying attention with curiosity and patience. Here to bring me today's questions is my producer, Mo. Hi, Mo. Hi, Emily. How are you feeling? I'm still recovering from COVID. I'm so sorry that you have COVID. Yeah, we're cutting out all your COVID coughs from this episode. Just- yes. 
for the listeners at home? I'm doing great. I love answering these questions. We have gotten a lot of listener questions in the past few weeks. And one of the most common topics we get questions about is orgasm. And one thing I noticed is just like there are a lot of misconceptions about it that I'm hearing in questions. Yes, this is something I encounter all the time as a sex educator, even when I'm training medical professionals and therapists. Sometimes people approach orgasm like art. They know what it feels like, but there's no way to define it. Um, There is a physiological process of orgasm that is Mm. helpful to know. And Mm -hmm. there is a brain function of orgasm that might even be more important. Oh my God. Yes. Did you learn any of that in school ever? Like, Uh, are you kidding me? No, I went to public school in North Carolina. Uh, No one said the word orgasm. You'd be suspended for saying the word orgasm in my public school. (laughs) That makes my education from romance novels seem actually pretty good, which what I learned about was spiraling and a cloud enveloped in ecstasy. Okay. Yeah, there's a really big mismatch in like fiction and descriptions of orgasm and how it actually feels. Before we get into the questions, there is just so much misinformation and bad media representation out there about orgasms, like what they look like, what they feel like, and how they work. So what science do we need to know about orgasms before we get into these questions? Okay, first, let us begin with the mind blower. Orgasm happens in the brain. Orgasm is a brain process. It's really not about what's happening in the genitals. That means all the difficulties that people may have with orgasm, whether it's having orgasms faster than they want to or slower than they want to or not having them, all of that is happening in the brain. And we can train our brains. We can change our experience of orgasm through a process of practice and learning. Okay, first, fucking wow. And second, can you just tell me your definition of what an orgasm is from a physiological perspective? Yes, I sort of invented my own definition going back to the classic American sex researchers, Masters and Johnson and Kinsey. From their work, I developed the very simple basic definition that orgasm is the spontaneous, involuntary release of tension generated in response to sex-related stimuli. Mm -hmm. The spontaneous, involuntary release of tension, that's physical tension in your muscles, Mm -hmm. that was generated in response to sex-related stimuli. Notice I don't say anything about what body parts are involved. I don't say anything about how it feels, whether it feels good or not, because the perception of any sensation is dependent on the context in which we experience it. And let's just make sure we say for the record that, yes, this episode is about orgasm, but orgasm is not the most important thing about sex. Orgasm is only as important as you decide it is. The only thing that matters about your orgasm is whether or not you wanted and liked it. And again, orgasm isn't actually the point of partner sex or masturbation. Pleasure is the point. Okay, Emily, are you ready to hear the first question? Yes, I can't wait. This one's from Elle. Her pronouns are she, her, and she accidentally gave us her real name in the question, so I cut it out, and we're just going to refer to her as Elle. Hi, Emily. I have been struggling with an inability to orgasm with 
anyone else around. It is always, I'm by myself. I always need porn to get turned on mentally. I can do it with a vibrator or with my fingers, but it's like the presence of another person just takes me right out of the game mentally. Even though I'm enjoying myself and I'm very much in love and secure with my partner, it's something that's been stumping me for a very long time. I've never been able to come with another person in the room, just mentally completely like not there. Any insight would be great. <laughs> very strange problem. Thank you. Bye. This is one of the most common orgasm difficulties that people experience, and it's highly treatable. Mm. Okay, so how do you do that? So to begin with, people love it when stuff has names, and the diagnostic name for this, I'm not a clinician, but this does meet the diagnostic criteria for secondary anorgasmia. So anorgasmia just means lack of orgasm, and secondary means that it's a person who has orgasms under some circumstances, but not under other circumstances, as opposed to primary anorgasmia, which is where a person has not yet ever experienced an orgasm to their knowledge. So L is off to a great start. She can have orgasms in at least two different ways, both with a vibrator and with her fingers, which is spectacular. That means there's more than one context where her brain has access to the right stimulation in order to get to orgasm. Hooray! <laughs> what that tells me also is that she knows how to search for and find more and more kinds of context that grant her brain access to orgasm. So. Let's start with, like, the basics of how arousal and orgasm work. The mechanism in your brain, many people are already reciting this with me, the mechanism in your brain that governs sexual response is called the dual <laughs> control mechanism. If it's called the dual control mechanism, how many parts does it have? Two. Two! And if I tell you the first part is the brakes, then the other part must be the... Accelerator. Gas pedal, the accelerator. I'm cheating because I've heard you say this a few times. <laughs> yes, of course, because this is this is the thing I say. <laughs> so the accelerator or gas pedal, it's technically called the sexual excitation system. It notices all the sex-related information in the environment, right? That's everything that you can see. Everything you hear, everything you smell, touch, or taste and everything that you think, believe, or imagine that your brain interprets as sex-related. And it sends the turn-on signal that many of us are familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. That is the accelerator. That's the beginning of the arousal process. And it's functioning all the time, subconsciously, including right now. Here we are talking about sex. That's just a tiny little bit of sex-related stimuli. And so you're experiencing just a tiny little bit of activation of your accelerator. So you're saying it would make sense if listeners are feeling just a little bit turned on just hearing about orgasms right now. I mean, you are receiving this tiny little bit of sex-related stimuli, so yes. But fortunately, at the same time, in parallel, you have breaks that are noticing all the good reasons not to be turned on right now. Everything that you see, hear, smell, touch, or taste, and everything that you think 
believe or imagine that your brain codes as a potential threat. When it notices any of that stuff, your brakes send a turn off signal. So the process of becoming aroused is a dual process of turning on those ons, receiving that sex-related input, and also turning off the offs, getting rid of all those potential threat stimuli. Does that make sense so far? Yes, absolutely. So you have the accelerator in the brakes and what's going on with L in this circumstance with her accelerator and brakes, do you think? Right. So when she's by herself, either with her hand or with her vibrator, she can sufficiently activate the accelerator to get to a really very high level of sexual arousal such that she crosses a threshold generating all this tension in her body, all this physical tension in your body, anyone who's had an orgasm might recognize. And that happens because she's got plenty, abundant stimulation to the accelerator and not too much stuff activating the brakes. Now, we take this same brain, the same body, the same kind of stimulation even, and we change the context. We put another person in the room. Her brain is interpreting that other person as something that hits the brakes. Mm. And even though this is a person she loves and feels really confident with, mm -hmm. still, somewhere in her life, her brain got trained to interpret the presence of another person as something that hits the brakes, even a person she loves and trusts. Right. So I reached out to Elle to hear more about her situation. And she is aware that it's the presence of another person that's the barrier for her. Um, but she's just struggling to figure out how to move past it. So let me tell you a few of the things she has tried so far. Oh, sure. She has tried using vibrators during sex with her boyfriend. She has tried him giving her oral sex, him masturbating her like manually. Yep. Are there more? Yeah. So she says that when she's by herself, she uses porn. She watches porn. And that always does the trick. So porn is a great example of a stimulation that activates the accelerator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she tried watching it with her boyfriend, Great. but she said that backfired. That really did not work. And she <laughs> thinks totally that it's totally the opposite of helpful. Totally the opposite of helpful. All the shame and embarrassment from growing up in the Catholic Church kicked in. Oh. And she was like, that did not okay, work. Uh, yeah. That was a solo. That's a solo activity for me. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that she has tried okay. with her boyfriend. And none of those things have helped her achieve an orgasm with him present. So what... Could she try next? Yeah. So the next step from my point of view is to focus not on activating the accelerator more, but on getting rid of the stuff that's hitting the brakes. And because her situation is so specific, I mean, you looking at the question, you can tell what's hitting the brakes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And she knows too. It's her partner, the living, breathing human it's being the partner. That's, yeah. that's there with her. Yeah. So what a sex therapist would probably recommend is a process of graded exposure where she very gradually increases the presence of her partner in the room with her. So the therapist would probably have her maybe make index cards on a scale of zero to 10. So 10 is definitely going to be living, breathing human in the room with me, <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. Zero is going to be other human being isn't even in my home. 
Doors locked, no chance of being interrupted. That's a zero, no chance of my brakes being hit by this particular stimulus. And then graded between zero and 10 are going to be things like having a photograph of my partner visible while I'm masturbating in the way that I masturbate. It would probably make sense given that she's not likely to be interested in masturbating with porn with her partner to practice these exercises without porn. So step one, let's say it's uh, a photograph of her partner. So the eyeballs are there to be seen, but there's no like physical human in the room. Okay, so we're going full 1945 Sears catalog style masturbating to a picture. <laughs> I would never have thought of that. <laughs> and then maybe they decide that around like a six, once she's able to orgasm at level one, level two, level three, maybe somewhere in the middle is going to be masturbating with him on the other side of the door, knowing that he's there and could potentially hear what's happening. Oh, Right? So that's definitely an increase in exposure, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Eventually, you get to a point where not only is the partner present, but they also could potentially be hearing what's going on. And then maybe you get to masturbating to orgasm without porn with your partner in the room, but completely in the dark. <gasps> I love that. So you can't see the person. This is a very intense challenge, right? Because this means yeah. that the living, breathing human is in the room. You can't see them, but you know for sure they're there. And what's happening is you're gradually building up your brakes comfort with the presence of another person. So you are training your brakes not to interpret the presence of your partner as something that it needs to respond to. Right now, Elle's brakes treat her partner as like slam on the brakes, emergency stop. What will happen gradually is that it responds less and less to that stimulus until eventually her partner can be present and her brakes don't even notice. Okay, so that's the science of what's happening. But like, why are those brakes even coming on at all? Culturally, personally, especially with someone that you really love and trust. How did that happen? The answer is the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. So many people, especially those of us who were raised as girls, are taught to shift all of our attention to the other person's wants and needs when that other person is present. Even if you know how to orgasm independently, once that other person shows up, you just block off everything about your own pleasure because you're too busy worrying about their wants and needs, making sure their expectations are met. You're worrying that you're taking too long. You're wondering if they're bored. You're wondering, you're feeling self-critical, like you should have been able to come by now. And that self-criticism is just more stuff hitting the brakes. Mm. So you're gradually training your brain not to activate all that ancient stuff that you absorbed about gender roles at some early part in your life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I'm telling you, the patriarchy interferes with our orgasms. If we want to have great orgasms, if our partners want us to have great orgasms, we all got to collaborate to dismantle the patriarchy because it is super messing with our orgasms. We really need to get that written into the feminist agenda. Um, <laughs> can you talk a little bit more about... What else, like culturally, socially or culturally, could be hitting the brakes? Is that even possible? I'm just going to say body image. <laughs> body image mic drop. So there's a lot of cultural stuff that could be hitting anyone's brakes. Oh, yeah. 
so many other kinds of things. Uh, she said she was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people who are raised Catholic have told me that they were taught to feel ashamed even of the fact that they were experiencing curiosity about sex, never mind sexual pleasure, arousal, orgasm. For someone to see you, it's like getting caught. Mm. Many people who are raised religious, especially in a religion like Catholicism, with this idea that God can see everything that you do. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure if that is a Catholic thing. I would have that to ask my husband true. who was raised Catholic. I, I was raised okay. Catholic also. Yeah. <laughs> Many people with that background experience even masturbation. They're like, God can see me doing this. Mm-hmm. And that alone can make it complicated and difficult. And they've had to overcome that level of being observed while they're with their body. And they might even develop a slightly unhelpful masturbation patterns because they just want to do it fast. They want to get it over with so, so that mm. they have as little shame as possible. So for that last bit of advice for L, I would say do that graded exposure activity. Even if you don't have access to a therapist, you can try it on your own. But also try masturbating without orgasm. Allow your body to experience sensation without any destination in mind, with no particular time limit. Just allow the pleasure to be what it is. Let it grow as much as it wants to. And just notice what that feels like. No judgment. Oh, sounds like the best Sunday afternoon ever. Right? Oh, this is so fun. I can't believe this is my job. Okay, um, after the break, I'm going to bring you another question about orgasm. And this one is about that sensation of needing to pee. And I'm very curious what you have to say. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, NA member FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger 
feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot? Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better, more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobile.com slash now to learn more. We're back with our second question about orgasm. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Hi, Emily. My name is Meg. I go by the pronouns she, her. I have a question regarding orgasms and the sensation of feeling like needing to pee. I've heard a lot of different answers about this, and some people say to just, if you feel like you need to pee, just like let the feeling go, or maybe it's not pee, it's squirt, and I'm getting very confused and I don't want it to be pee, <laughs> to pee on my partner. Um, so I'm just a little confused on that and um, what maybe I should be doing in that case if there is anything that someone should be doing, if that makes sense. So I would love your thoughts on that. Thank you. Have a good day. You know, now I want to make sure that my assumption is correct, that we're talking about penis and vagina sex or uh, manual sex that involves vaginal penetration? Well, I also assumed we were talking about vaginal penetration because, to be straight up, that is the time that I experience that sensation of feeling like I need to pee. Yeah, that is, that is the most typical time, and the mechanism is really clear. But I followed up with Meg, and she said she mostly experiences this sensation when she is masturbating with clitoral stimulation. And then she said, you know, thinking about this question a little bit more, I've only ever had one orgasm with partnered sex. And it's hard for me to know if that's a normal number for me or if the sensation of needing to pee is part of the problem of holding back, you know, having an orgasm with a partner. Sure. So this might be another example of finding it more difficult to have an orgasm when there's another person present. Mm-hmm might be having trouble having an orgasm during penis and vagina sex, which is 100% normal. Probably only about a quarter of cisgender women are reliably orgasmic from what the researchers call unassisted intercourse. <laughs> and the rest are sometimes rarely or never orgasmic that way. The simple explanation being that the vagina is very far away from the clitoris and a lot of people... Uh, 
If you've got a clitoris, that's really sort of the hokey pokey. It's what it's all about. Not for everybody. (laughs) I have absolutely had people say to me, like, my clitoris is not the thing for me. I really, and the vagina is not the thing for me. It's external anal stimulation that really gets me there. Am I normal? Yes. Yes, absolutely. People vary. So even though a lot of sex educators, including me, generalize to be like, the clitoris, what it's all about. It's two turntables and a microphone. That's not the case for everybody. (laughs) But This is someone who's masturbating with stimulation of the clit. So that's the kind of stimulation that increases her arousal level to uh, near orgasm. So why would it ever feel like you have to pee? The reason you and I kind of make that assumption that it's about vaginal stimulation is because there's an obvious mechanism for that. When there's something in your vagina... There's not necessarily anything particularly close to your clitoris, but there is something really close to your urethra and your bladder and your urethral opening. Or as I learned it when I was 18 years old, your urethral meatus. You remember? Because you got a hole in your meat. Urethral meatus. (laughs) (laughs) Had it memorized. It was said to me one time and all these years later, it's still the thing I am teaching how to remember what the urethral opening is called technically. Oh, great. Now I'm going to remember that forever. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone else who hears this, you're welcome, world. So when there's something in your vagina, you have stimulation that is very close to your bladder, your urethral, and your urethral meatus. And back when you were a little baby and learning how to be potty trained, your brain gradually learned that particular sensations from particular parts of your body were predictive of certain needs. A certain pressure around your bladder or around your urethra meant, oh, you have to pee. So now you get to a time when you're on purpose having people put stuff in your vagina. (laughs) Your brain is like, Oh, yeah, anything in that general area means to need to pee. And it's just overinterpreting the sensations of your body. It's like that's in the vicinity of the pee sensation. So I'm just going to decide that's pee sensation. Like you can pee and mm. empty your bladder before you start having sex. You know that your bladder is empty. And yet your brain is still going to receive that sensation and be like, As far as I know, anything in that general area means pee. But you have to teach your brain. There's the urge to pee, and then there's this other thing, which is right next door, kind of literally, but is actually a really different sensation. And over time, with practice, your brain will learn not to interpret that sensation as a need to pee. Just allow yourself to relax into that sensation. Don't worry about it because we know that worrying about things just hits the brakes and makes it more difficult to experience pleasure and access orgasm. You know you're not going to pee because you know your bladder is empty and you're gradually exposing your brain to this actually really specific sensation of having something in your vagina. It's rarer to hear of a person whose brain interprets clitoral stimulation as a need to pee, but it could easily be the same sort of phenomenon where anything down there is interpreted by the brain as a need to pee. Another thing that's happening is that the big internal structures of the clitoris are swelling with arousal. 
and everyone's body is laid out differently and uniquely. And it may be that the big internal swollen parts of her clitoris, we know that they straddle the urethra and the urethral sponge and all of that tissue. So maybe the internal structures of the clitoris are actually creating sensations around the urethra. And so same thing where through this internal stimulation, she's actually getting urethral signals. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I think, though, that we're assuming that the sensation of needing to pee, if she were to release it, would actually cause her to pee. And then that gets to the second part of her question. Which no, because like, if, if a person's bladder is empty before they start sex, uh-huh. the odds of them needing to pee again mere minutes later, even 20 minutes, an hour later, you just don't need to pee that badly. Mm-hmm. Unless you've been like hyperhydrating or are in the middle of dehydrating from having been retaining fluids. It's just not that likely. Okay, so if she empties her bladder before she starts either masturbation or sex and is not drinking, not super hydrating in between. Then anything that comes out is not going to be pee. Okay, let's talk about it then. What would it be? Well, it could be. Well, oh man, now we have to get into squirting, which is like a whole thing in and of itself. Real quick. It could be that she's experiencing sensations around the glands at the mouth of the urethral opening. Mm-hmm. These glands are the source of the comparatively small volume of external ejaculate that can sometimes be squirting. It's what happens with intense pressure around the genitals, often accompanied by orgasm, though not always. But it could very well be that if something comes out, it's just this little bit of fluid tablespoon or so, from the skein's glands around the urethra. Can I just say, this? is the sensation of having your skein's glands swell up, is that similar to the sensation of needing to pee? It can be, again, because your brain, because it's sort of new when you first begin having masturbatory or partnered stimulation of the genitals. It's this new kind of sensation. Your brain has to learn how to understand those sensations. So, as your brain gets practice, it will differentiate that sensation from the general urge to pee or or pressure Mm. from the bladder specifically. And what would practice look like? Uh, It sounds like she's not real interested in having this happen with a partner. So, practice is definitely going to mean on your own Mm -hmm. experiencing that, that sensation of pressure of the bladder, the sensation that your brain is interpreting as urgency to pee. Relaxing into it, allowing your arousal to increase, like softening your body into that sensation, not worrying about it. You Mm -hmm. allow the pressure to build. It will grow and grow. And you allow it. You relax into that sensation. Mm. We're not even going to call it pleasure because right now it's just a sensation. It's just a thing your body is doing. And it's you can be curious about it. Well, this is fascinating. I wonder what happens if I keep going. You're practicing having that do I have to pee kind of sensation without letting it hit the brakes. It's actually really similar to Elle's question where you're doing this kind of graded exposure. You're aware of it and you're still safe. So session after session, you move closer and closer to a higher intensity of stimulation and you allow it to grow. You notice that your brain is now fretting and worrying. What if it's pee? 
And you just set that thought aside. You put it on the back burner and you return your attention to the sensations that are happening in your body. And then the worry comes along again and you're like, hello, worry. I'm just going to set you over to the side and I'm just going to pay attention to what the sensation is. It is, in fact, a mindfulness practice of being able to experience something without being worried about it. Like noting. Yes. I don't have an opinion about it. I just, that's a thing that's happening. And that's not what I'm paying attention to right now. And if it helps to have a waterproof blanket on your bed, have a waterproof. We have a lot in my house because we have dogs and aging dogs have a lot of incontinence issues. So we have a lot of waterproof. Like it's a very normal, ordinary thing to go by is a waterproof sheet. (laughs) You put it under you. And if anything comes out, that's fascinating. I wonder what that could be because it's definitely not pee because I emptied my bladder. Mm. And it's important for me to say that if you're squirting, even if it is urine, the only measure of whether it's right or wrong is whether or not you like it. And if you don't like it, then okay, don't do that. And if you do like it, who cares if it's pee? Mm-hmm. Literally, we're trained to control our bladders very early in our lives. And often, a lot of us are trained to associate a feeling of shame and failure when we don't control our bladders. Mm. And that's all just learned. Like, pee is not dangerous. It is sterile. Hmm. It's okay. Sort of the radical way to approach this is to say, I am not ashamed of my bodily functions, and my body can do what it wants to do. It can release fluids. It can make a mess. Especially for women, we're taught not to be messy and not to, like, take up space So nothing to be ashamed of happening here. It's difficult. I'm not saying that's easy. So hard. But it can be. It can be powerful and rewarding to recognize that everything that you're experiencing is completely normal and there is no sensation that your body can produce that is in and of itself dangerous. Mm. No genital sensation that isn't pain is indicative of a medical problem. You can allow it to be what it is and be safe. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I want you to tie up this episode and everything we've learned about orgasms. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients. Each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC, Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other 
as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot? Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better, more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobile.com slash now to learn more. All right, we're back. Let's wrap this puppy up. We have learned so much about orgasm as a brain process. And I've learned for the first time that anyone can learn to have orgasm or change their orgasms or improve their orgasms by basically turning off the offs, turning on the ons, and relaxing into sensation. Yeah, great questions. Orgasm questions tend to be great. And going back to what I was saying at the beginning of this episode about like mm -hmm. letting go and surrendering to pleasure, that's the first step kind of no matter what struggle you're having with orgasm because, again, orgasm is a brain process and so interventions are brain interventions. So whether you're trying to really enjoy the orgasms you already have or you would like your orgasms to last longer. You'd like to have orgasms more easily, or you want to have your first orgasm. Wherever you're at, step one is allowing your body to surrender to the sensations, whatever is happening in this moment. And while you're doing that, let go of all the stress and worry and fear or shame about whether or not you're doing it right or whether or not it's supposed to be functioning differently or are you even having orgasms? Is this an orgasm right now? When you can allow your body to surrender to the sensation and to let go of the fear, when you do that pretty difficult mental work, that's how you get to a kind of orgasms you don't even know exist until you have them. 
where your whole body is like a bell that's ringing. Come As You Are is a production of Pushkin Industries and Madison Wells. It's hosted by Emily Nagoski. You can find Emily on Instagram at enagoski and on Twitter at Emily Nagoski. You can also sign up for her newsletter at emilynagoski.com, where she writes about everything from the clitoris in your mind to orgasm after having a hysterectomy. It's an incredible newsletter. Highly recommend it. This show is co-hosted and lead produced by me, Mo Laborde. You can find me online at Mo Laborde and on TikTok at podcast.slut. Sorry, Mom. My co-producer on this show is the fabulous Brittany Brown. Our editor is Kate Parkinson Morgan. Sound design and mix by Ann Pope. Executive producers are Mia LaBelle and Letal Malad. At Pushkin, thanks to Heather Fain, Carly Migliori, Sophie Crane, Courtney Guarino, Jason Gambrell, Julia Barton, John Schnars, and Jacob Weisberg. At Madison Wells, thanks to Kylie Williams, Elizabeth Goodstein, and Gigi Pritzker. Additional thanks to Rich Stevens, Lindsay Edgecombe, Frolic Media, and Peter Acker at Armadillo Audio Group. Original music for this series was composed by Amelia Nagoski and arranged and recorded by Alexandra Kalinowski. Additional music from Epidemic Sound. You can find Pushkin on all social platforms at Pushkin Pods, and you can sign up for our newsletter at pushkin.fm. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for only $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions or at pushkin.fm. If you subscribe to Pushkin Plus, you can hear Come As You Are and other Pushkin shows ad-free. Very nice. And you'll get episodes a week early. Sign up on the Come As You Are show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. If there's just a small volume, the most likely story is that it was uh, increased pressure in your skin's glands and they just squirted out fluid. I don't know why I made that sound. That is not the sound it makes. It doesn't make a sound. (laughs) Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? 
Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.